Welcome to The Hoop Commitment. I'm your host, Mike Nielsen. Join me every week to get inside the greatest minds in basketball nutrition, training, and leadership to elevate your game and improve the way you eat, train, and lead. Welcome to episode 95. Only five episodes until the big 100. And I've got a great guest all lined up for you. And a big thanks to everyone who stuck with me this far. You know, I'm going to keep the episodes coming, but I'm thinking of moving the show to once a month interview instead of a weekly podcast. Now, while it's been so fun, it's also pretty time consuming and also challenging to do during the season, especially while I'm doing the PN2 coaching program. Man, I can't believe we're over halfway through 2021, which means that I've added another 200 X's onto my chain of success. Now, how's your 2021 commitment going? Well, if you haven't started one, there's no time like the present. In just 15 minutes a day, I've completed my Level 1 Precision Nutrition Certification, and now I'm midway through the Level 2 course. Just think, what could you accomplish by December 31st with a small daily commitment? Well, today's guest knows quite a bit about commitment. Jem Ares is the owner of Jem Fitness and is Damian Lillard's boxing trainer. We first met when he spoke to our women's basketball team about mindset and how to attack your dreams. And he was so full of motivation and great stories that I knew I had to bring him on the show. And I've also noticed a trend over the past few years that my basketball players are doing more and more boxing as cross-training because of the way it trains quickness, footwork, change of pace, and confidence. And if it's good enough for Damian Lillard, well, it's definitely worth giving it a try. Here's Jim Ares. Jim, welcome to the Hoop Commitment Podcast. How you doing? Such an honor to be here with you. I really appreciate you making the time, and I'm excited to do this, sir. Well, I'm excited because I've had great strength coaches and personal trainers, but never a boxing trainer or a boxing coach on the episode. So I'd love to start out by just hearing about your journey, how you got to where you are today. I'm born and raised in Germany. I'm Turkish, and I've been in America for almost 20 years now. So my bigger half now is more in America than it was in Germany. So this was always my dream as a youth to be like training. And I started really early in Germany. But in Germany, there was no personal training or even gyms. There was only like a small gym. So for me to get any kind of a, um, information on training, I had to import because uh, it wasn't like no internet or it wasn't like uh, where there's a bunch of gyms where there's trainers. So I always seeked out training, even in my youth, about 13, 14 years when I was. And then here I am I now. I never did anything else. So. And when, how did you get into actually coaching or training boxing? About 15 years ago, I, I started a little bit in Texas when I first moved to Texas. But everything started mostly in Arizona, where I boxed myself. And because I was training prior to that, I was always a bigger guy. But because I uh, found methods and techniques so I can be still bigger, but still be fast and explosive and elusive, because most bigger guys, they can't really move. So next thing I focused on uh, was amateur level boxing. And there were great kids. And then my coaching got bigger or the, the passion got bigger. So I didn't continue boxing myself continued the training of it so i trained uh youth athletes where nobody knew their names 
15, 18 years ago, and now they're world champion boxers. Some made it to the history books of boxing, being the youngest super middleweight champion in the world. So it's pretty exciting to see those kids in their early lives where nobody believed in them, and now they're big time. So, And when you look at like a typical week, how much is it split up between training athletes for conditioning or weight loss or strength versus working on boxing skills? Well, you can never put this in a book, right? Because every individual is a little different. Um, if I have an athlete who is better in conditioning, he's like a conditioned athlete, but he slacks on maybe on being explosive or uh, boxing skills, so you will do that more. If you have an athlete who has great boxing skill and is powerful, but the gas uh, empties quick, you need to make sure you bring up the conditioning. And I mean, even with, I use boxing in a lot of different, so not just in boxers, I use it in uh, even in fitness competitors to professional football, basketball, so you name it. So I implement that in there for a lot of different reasons, which we're going to break down as we go, why I do those and what I believe the benefit is to using boxing into any kind of a sports or even training for top, top level businessmen to step in this ring and for a little bit, forget about everything and really focus on them. So it really helps a lot. So tell me about some of the similarities between hoops and boxing. Are you ready? So listen to this. Tell me it's not the same where basketball is relax, excitement, back to relax, right? So think about if you make any kind of a move, you're going to be able to be explosive and then it's a little fingertip uh, into the basket. In boxing, same thing. You got to be relaxed and then you see an opening, pop, explosive and back to calm and relax. Because if you're not relaxed in any of those sports, you're going to first show me what move you're going to do or it's going to be too aggressive to throw the ball against the rim, right? Same in boxing. You throw a hard punch. I see it coming from a mile. So being calm and relaxed and doing quick, short movements makes a big difference. That's my opinion. Oh, my gosh. I would echo that 100%. I'm working with my little junior high boys right now on the idea of pace timing, not going at one speed. It's just way too easy to be able to predict what someone's going to do if they're at a constant pace. But if they're slow, quick, slow, fast, and constantly changing pace off timing, ah, so hard to guard. Very hard. And if you if you have, have those as a toolbox, now as the opponent, I have to be so ready. Is he going to go slow this way? Is he going to change direction? And the small little movements, because people have strong core and they do all this crazy rotation, but a small little movement, if they can accelerate from that core so quick, just like in boxing, you don't know what he's going to do. Is he going to go long, short, change direction? Now you become a dangerous opponent because I don't know what you're going to do. So how did you hook up with Damian Lillard? That's how I actually first learned about you was I found out that you were helping Damian Lillard with some off-season boxing training. And I have a couple friends here that play in Spokane that are professional basketball players that also feel like boxing has really helped their performance on the court. So how did you get connected with these NBA guys? First of all, I forget sometimes because I train Damien sometimes twice a day. I see him more than anybody else and the professionalism and how great is the person. I forget sometimes when I look at the media, how big of a person he is because when he's in here, he is unbelievably nice and sometimes, you know, it overlaps with another client or a class and he is just 
a really, really, truly humble person in his own. So I forget that sometimes. But I trained Damian Little's brother in football. Okay. So, and he used to tell Dame, man, you got to come see my guy. And this is when he was first in the league. He's like, you got to come see my guy. He does some stuff that I've never seen before. It's good stuff. And he goes, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, like, I will, whatever. So never really happened in that. And then out of the blue, instead of reaching out through his brother, because I was close with his brother, he reached out to me on his own and said, I got to get my hands right. I got to get my core working. Uh, can we make an appointment? You know, just like a regular person would do instead of saying like, hey, mate, what, what, when do you have available? And that was about maybe four, maybe five, four years ago. And since then, every summer, every moment he's here, we continued that journey. So that's how that started. And I'm sure you have a ton of variety in the workouts, but just so we can kind of get a picture, a vision of what kind of training you're doing, can you kind of walk us through maybe what a typical workout might look like for him? Absolutely. So, because um, you can go into so much, because uh, strength conditioning is so broad, I have to see what his injury list was, uh, how long he's been off the court. Uh, quick, quick little introduction, how fast Damian Lillard moves is on Thursday, they played Denver and it was over at about seven o'clock at 12.15 a.m., which is four hours later, I get a text that says, I'll see you Monday morning at seven. And that was like, what, four days? And I seen him Monday morning at seven. So that's how fast he moves. So that training that day is not going to be as aggressive as what you think would be. So again, it depends on where we start. But a typical one, we like to start off with like, um, I make them walk on some kind of a, a little platform that has different rocks on it. So stimulate the feet, okay, to kind of see how he's feeling, make sure the feet are stimulated and got blood flow going. And then we go in through some hip movement. So we open up the hip. It could be the... 90-90 hip movement, or we do like a, a thing on the ball where we rock back and forth. And then we do a little bit of hamstring bending. I want to see before he even starts, is there anywhere tightness going through from the bottom all the way up through his shoulders and neck, you know, see how he feels. And then we go, okay, good. Um, if everything is good. I'm not very traditional when it comes to like that lifting. I It's been a very long time since any of my um, athletes done like a back barbell squat. And please don't think that I don't think it's a good movement or that I don't like it. I just have so many different tools where I can load them either unilaterally or front loading back one side. So I use different uh, tools for that. Or I use like, um, I like the split stand. Um, Bulgarian uh, sta uh, stands for leg drive. So I don't do really traditional lifting. And then I also stay away from a lot of jumping exercises because they do a lot of jumping on their own. So Again, this is not that I don't like him. And when they come so fast from playing, I focus on um, doing things that I can stimulate more that they didn't work on, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. What about something like jump rope? When I picture the, the traditional Rocky workouts, you always see the jump rope going through. Is that one of the staples of your training program? Um, no, I wouldn't say I would use jump rope a lot. Sometimes I like to use it in between things. But so let's say our boxing starts like this. So we uh, get warmed up and then he likes to get on the speed back. Okay. So we have a speed back right over here. So we work out with the speed back and then we will go in the ring. And when we in the, I'm sitting in the ring right now. So when we are in the ring, I can see a split second of you moving your eyes to the side. 
And sometimes I get these young players, and when we do in mitts in the ring, their eyes go into the timer. Split second, they move their eye, and I'm like, oh. Then I, I rush them. I rush them and come up to them, and they're like, oh, shit. Because I can see for a split second you're not with me and you're not engaged with me. That's very hard. That's only accomplished when you do one-on-one, one-on-one like basketball, right, or boxing, when you're like fighting somebody. Because in training, you can really quick, your mind can wander. So that's another thing about boxing. We are locked in so tight that I know that if we do admits or I'm coming towards you and you go like this for a second, move your hands down or look around, I got you and I'm coming harder at you. So that is a great thing that you can use boxing to get that mind really, really engaged and mental toughness, right? Because sometimes you don't want to be engaged like that. Sometimes you're like, bro, give me a little, get back off a little bit, but sometimes you can be backed off in when you're playing. So um, I like to work on that. So we get in the ring. We start off with mitts. And for people who never used boxing before, or you got to be careful if you're not a person that use boxing a lot. I use mitts. They're more softer. They're like paddles because uh, the last thing you want to injure a hand of a multi-million dollar athlete, right? You're not trying to do boxing as like a full sport. You use boxing to better them in uh, basketball in their training. So people always think, oh, he doesn't look like a full-time boxer because he's not, you know, it's an insult to any sport. Oh, somebody uses basketball training and you go like, yeah, he doesn't look like an NBA athlete because he is not. So, you know, there's levels to those things. So some people who listen to this and judge people like on their, you use these drills to uh, sharpen your tools, your hand-eye coordination, your quickness, your mental toughness, not to go in the ring. And if you do go in the ring, it's going to be two, three years of solid training to build you to that. Well, just watching Damien on the court, he seems like pretty much any sport he chose, he would probably be a high-level athlete in it. So is that the same for boxing? If he were to be able to commit to a couple of years, two, three years of training with you, could he be at that world champion level, do you think? I 100% believe that. Now, one thing I, I always tell, even in the boxing world, I do not know how the chin reacts to a punch. That's something that... People are born with it. But everything else from that point, learning, dedicating, getting up, um, doing all these things, he will be so dedicated and above. He comes back sometimes from playing and he goes, I watch so much stuff. I want to try some of it. I'm like, bro, you literally just watched this for eight months, that move, and then you do it. He goes, yeah. And it's unreal. Like you have to be really invested in getting better at something. And let me tell you, being at a high level, and I coached a lot of people, it is hard to drive your car 200 miles to 210. You can drive it 60 to 70, but 2 to 28, 210, that is like a lot of uh, pieces have to go right to do that. And you need to be willingly to want to do that too. And people say they do until you show up every morning. And, you know, it's harder than it is for people. Like they go, oh, I want to kick ass. And then you go like, well, this is not one workout. It's not one week. It's a life change thing. If you go to Las Vegas for an event, you wake up in the morning and you do the things that you need to do. Damien goes, I'm going to get up in the morning and do these couple of things you gave me because I know that if I don't, my mind is going to get weaker and not everybody can do that. And that's so inspiring. I love hearing that four days after he finishes his season, he's already in with you working on cross training, working his game. When we, when we talk about the, the quickness piece 
on his um, level, how much of that do you think has been trained over the years versus, you know, just a gift from God? First of all, I believe that a champion is not just born, he's mate. I really truly believe that because I had so many different athletes in life who you wouldn't think it's just not going to go because the way they built, the way they are, it's just not going to work. You know who Rocky Marciano is? They told him he wanted to go pro, and his coach said, please go home to your wife. Don't become pro because you're going to get killed. Like, you're just not good. And he is only heavyweight who went uh, pro uh, undefeated and kicked people's ass. You know what I mean? These are There's so many of these stories to all the listeners. Truly, like, I'm not just saying that. And I understand if you're five foot three and you want to be an NBA player, chances are really low. But there's always a chance of something. You know, you can build 1% to make it. So I believe in that, but a lot of the things that I believe in is capable of the hung of be able to want to do more with having your bank account to the top level full and don't need to get more better. You have to be in that level to be able to do that. Because if you're not in that level, you tell yourself, I will work so hard. No, if you have all the cars, if you have all the houses and you're good, it's hard to get out in the morning and bed at 5 a.m. and still cheats and say, man, I got to go to the gym. It's not easy. Yeah, I think that was one of the things I've learned here at Gonzaga is seeing the athletes that come back year after year after year and keep working their game. And they don't have necessarily the financial um, needs to do it. They're already set, but they do it because it's something deep inside them where they want to just master their craft or they want to keep exploring the ways to get better. And that's just a stark contrast between the people that are doing it for the money or doing it for the fame or doing it because maybe they think their parents or society wants them to do it. Those people that are driven from within, they're the ones that are just, they just workers year after year. I agree, but it has to start with something. It has to start with a dream of, I want to make it, get this financial thing. I want to make it to, I want to be a world champion in boxing because I want to get out of this. And once you have it, there is a very hard step to cross over and say, want to be known as something. And I believe that's not for everybody. That's, that's, a, hard, that's a hard thing to crack. And once you, once you beat that thing and you made it to the NBA and you did okay and you made the money, to be able to say, man, I'm going to even get better, that has to be a deeper thing inside of you. And you have to constantly, because there's so many distractions, even today, 2021, there's so much distractions that can make you not want to do it because we like enjoying ourselves. We like going out or uh, rewarding ourselves with the hard work we did, but you have to think differently if you want to really look back and there's things written about you. That's why the talk that Ali as an athlete, like uh, even Mike Tyson, who lost many times, if they look at the record of the work they've done, it speaks for itself because they push through certain things that most people cannot, uh, they cannot sacrifice of uh, the time or family or whatever it takes to sacrifice. And if you can do that, I believe you can achieve things that work. So when we look at some of these world-class boxers, I see all these belts right behind you lined up uh, behind the ring. Tell me about Damien's hand quickness versus someone that's going to be at that top level. So we have to compare that to over 200 pounds. But if he would fight, he would be a cruiserweight, right? Uh, which is 198 and uh, 198, 190 below. So um, 
I have to be honest, I coached athletes in that kind of a weight class, and there's some fast hands. Now, that gas goes out real quick, right? So some people like be able to have a speed and maintaining it and maintaining that pressure versus just having that quickness for a little bit and it dies out. That's not going to do it because the second, the second that gas goes, we have a problem, you know, in any sport. If you lose that gas in basketball, I don't care how good you are in side to side. It's going to be delayed. It's going to be slow. So to have that kind of a conditioning and conditioning is hard. Being conditioned is hard. You know that like getting in position where condition like solid, it's not easy because a lot of things have to go right to do that. Well, so much of the stuff that I've heard you talk about in this conversation and then as well when you spoke to our women's basketball team last year was the mental toughness. I know you touched on Damien waking up at five in the morning and coming multiple times to work out with you. What are some of the tools or techniques that you're using to help improve the mental toughness of your athletes? So I want the person to understand is like, not to like uh, confuse, like maybe like, you know, overtraining. I believe sometimes more in under eating and under sleeping than overtraining sometimes, right? I would rather look at those aspects than just saying, oh, you're overtraining, but be able to go through the things that at the moment you were more excited about maybe the day of the uh, game. And then two days later, you have to practice and you don't got that same excitement. You have to fool your brain. You have to be like, you know what? I'm going to give this one the best. I'm going to take a better breath this time. I'm going to do a better rep. I'm going to hold the balance a little longer. You have to fool your brain because your mind is not your friend. Like, I don't just say that because it's a great quote from Customado. Your mind is always going to go to things that it knows to be safe and comfortable because otherwise we as humans wouldn't survive as much either. So that's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing if you want to improve something. So you need to find that sweet spot of training where you can get better and it's the technique is hard versus being overwhelmed by the drill or the conditioning. So it's a hard time to find that where you're building versus just either not getting good at all because it's too low or it's too high where you're just trying to survive, right? You got to find that middle spot, the sweet spot. Well, and we've heard in basketball, footwork is so important. And from what I know of boxing, footwork is so important. But how do you actually train that? And, and, and are those skills that you're training in the boxing ring going to transfer to the basketball court, do you think? I 100% believe because you constantly, like when I watch basketball, you're you're dribbling up to something and then you have this, either this play uh, with somebody and then you either go from a direction change to side to side or you stop, you shift back. And in boxing, it's the same thing. I'm in front of you and then I take a side step and throw a hook or I go back. I'm trying to always have my footwork around you. So if I don't have the footwork, I can't create angles in boxing. And without angles, it's hard to catch the person because it's the punch that you don't see that's going to knock you out. So if I in basketball be able to like take these angles where I act like I'm going this way and then shoot back and change direction, that's an angle, maybe in a different form, but it's still the same. I accelerate, decelerate, change direction and go the other way. So if you can do those movements smooth, fast, with finesse, woo, that becomes dangerous. Are you actually doing any sparring with your guys or is it all drill driven and technique driven? 
Now I don't put sparring there. I take the ego out. They're not boxers. Like I don't want it to be an ego thing where they have to do things to uh how should I say like oh I want to get in the ring. Like I want to make sure that I don't uh, things where they can get injured or something. Does that make sense? If there's ever a point he wants to get into that, and that's me, the coach talking. Dame would go in anytime to do it. He would even do stuff. So it's not even the other way around. It's more like, nah, what I do is sometimes I put the gloves on and I kind of throw punches lightly so he can move. I do that. But a full thing, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to use these drills and techniques to improve what they do in their sport and not trying to be a tough man and be like, oh, I got a black eye because I was boxing. You know, that's not how I roll. So we just have so many players that want to be able to get the edge. And I think uh, a lot of them are already doing strength training and maybe doing plyometrics or doing skill work. And so I think the idea of the, the novelty of something new and then the link between basketball and boxing, I think is, is, is so self-evident, the quickness, the change of pace that we talked about. And so I think players are going to want to know, like, how do I actually implement this? Is it helpful for them to buy some boxing gloves in a bag and a jump rope and train on their own? Or would you recommend them going to like a, a local gym and working out with somebody? So what I would recommend is a few things. If you want to get going in something, shadow box, find a spot, grass, concrete, ring, where you learn to keep your hands up and you shadow boxing, you're moving, you're using your legs. And if you don't know what boxing looks like, if you uh, right-handed, your left foot is into the front, right? And if you're a softball, if you left-handed, your right is to the front. You don't want to cross your legs. You kind of, I mean, shadow boxing is a great drill. Um, it looks funny because it's not a natural act to like throw punches in the air, right? But um, I would start off with something like shadow boxing where you feel the finesse of moving and punching, moving your head, keeping your hands up, going, uh, moving your legs side to side. That can get really tiring, especially for a male to get a heavy bag and put the gloves on and start punching hard. If they don't punch right, they're going to hurt their hand. And then you're going backwards instead of going forward, you know, because I don't know. Again, I know man and ego. They just try to hit the bag as hard as they can. And then they don't punch right. They're going to hurt their hand. But with shadow boxing, you get into the sweet science, what the boxing is called, you know, to be able to like move, keep your hand up and throw punches, uppercuts, hooks, move your head, slip. That could be a great way to get into it because that's your footwork. And then if you do learn how to do something, you can maybe get like a, a, a double end back that has a connection at the bottom and top. And uh, it moves in the front, has bungees. Now people don't like hitting that because it's hard. So that's a great way because it's reflex, it's timing, right? Basketball is timing to be able to like be synced with something, pass, do this. So I would recommend those things before I would say, go get it back and start punching it like a meathead. That's not going to help you. And for Damien's workout, you know, it probably changes as he gets closer to season. But how many days is he actually working on his body, whether that's through boxing or conditioning or through strength training? How many days a week is he training in the off season with you? Instead of saying how many days, we should say how many times a day. Really? Yeah. So sometimes I see morning and then at night. And in the middle, he goes to shoot basketball with Phil. So it's it's another level, man. It's it's another level. Ah, this is so great to hear. I mean, I I think most of us look at the NBA players and think how lucky they are 
And there's probably not a whole lot of luck involved. And if he's doing two days with you and in the, in between, he's going to the gym and, and working his skills on the court. Is that the average professional athlete or is he special? Do you think? I think when it comes to basketball, I would put him in special and not because I just train him because I know that most basketball guys would either just like maybe just go shoot the ball, but not train things that would maybe improve it because it's tough. And if they do strength conditioning, it might be like maybe three times a week. And then there is a fine line. You, uh, as coaches, we have to kind of say, I'm going to pull you back a little bit. Today, we're going to do mobility and I'm going to work on your breathing. and I'm going to do some neck and grip, some things that you wouldn't think of doing uh, for a basketball player. But um, I've been using neck training, for example, a lot with basketball players because I see sometimes injuries where a hit gets moved around and yes, you don't have a contact sport, but still roughness happened. And I think, you know, uh, using that in when you have a lot going on with the athlete, you can use neck and grip. I definitely do always feet and ankle work because uh, that's a big requirement in that, but neck grip and breathing exercises, I implement those in his routine. That way I have stuff to do uh, because it comes so many times and we're still improving, but we're not over crushing something. You know, where we go in, sometimes he goes, I'm going to give a breast, uh, I'm going to give a little rest in boxing. Uh, let's go do some more core work, you know. And I do a lot of different core work from anti-rotation to creating rotation to unstable, eyes closed, reaction time, uh, short bursts of core, long drives. So, I mean, I I want to challenge him in ways so he can, he can always uh, fire something by reaction because a lot of times... I believe in strength training. When you're done with regular strength training, it's great. I want to do reaction training where he turns the core on without knowing what I'm going to push from. He reacts to it. That's what happens too in basketball because you get bumped and you have to react. So I do that a lot as well. And I love how you touched on the piece of overtraining might be part of it, but the undersleeping or the undereating could be a, a huge portion of it. With your athletes, is that something that you are sending them to a dietitian, or is that something that every day you're kind of uh, gently reminding them about the importance of nutrition? I remind them constantly, hey, what did you eat? Or what did you drink? Hey, Nurk, how many coffees did you have? You know, like, I got to stay in touch with those things. Um, I want them to see uh, people who do that for, uh, you know, because I constantly know my training. I don't want to be the nutritionist or that this and that, because a lot of trainers try to do everything. I like to make sure they uh, touch up and stay connected with a professional based on that. So, you know, you can take it as deep as like blood work and see what you're allergic to and all that. But, um, you know, sleep is so amazing. Like it's some people go like, Hey, what can I take to be better? And I'm like, sleep an hour or two more. No, no, no. Tell me what to take. I'm telling you what to take. You'll be surprised, but it's tough because, you know, you're trying to you're trying to achieve greatness, but I tell you to sleep. They don't almost like it's a it's a hard balance to do that. But if you do it right and you get your rest in and you get proper food into you, and it's so simple. I'm not asking you to come up with a scientific thing to eat. It's just simple quality meals um, and water. Water is alkaline water. I put in my gym where I can get pH water. Like I bought an expensive machine, so that's selfish because i want to get my water in you know i'm here all day so but i constantly remind like hey you know if you get to sleep in water in it's simple but it's tough to do because it's so simple right 
What are some of those lessons that you've learned over the course of the last 20, 30 years of training that you want to be able to pass along to your athletes? I'm here morning tonight, like literally 6 a.m. to 6, 7 p.m. Constantly top athletes to a class to elderly ladies, 74 years old, and I got to adjust their energy. If you really, if you do it the right way, I'm not in the influence of any kind of drugs, alcohol. I get my sleep. I come here sharp as can be to be ready for my uh, clients. And I can just bust out hard work, quality work. Very important. Hard and quality sometimes don't align. But if I keep it going, it's better than stopping and doing it. So if you an athlete and you stick to quality training and taking care of your body versus taking like, oh, I need to rest for four months. I don't believe in that because stuff starts going wrong when you do that. A body is designed to move. I 100% believe in uh, adjusting to what you're doing, right? From mobility work to breathing exercises to uh, lengthening um, exercises. So if you stay on it, that's what Dame said to me. He goes, I'm not doing these big breaks or trying to do this. I want to stay on it. So if I stay ready, I don't need to get ready. I can just give me two weeks and I can be in this shape. If you don't have that baseline, if you don't stay on it, that two weeks, you start breaking things because you're pushing that car hard with bad oil and gas and all that. So if you tell yourself, oh, man, I deserve a break. I'm going to go party. To No, if you stay on it, we're still having a good time going out. Maybe one drink tomorrow, you're right back on it. If you stay on that, I believe whatever you do, you will be successful, in my opinion, versus like getting away from it so far and then trying to dig back up harder i'd rather go smoother because you stayed on that point so that's an advice i would give for sure one of the things i link with the the boxing realm or the self-defense is the confidence piece you know confidence in yourself the way that you're able to kind of walk in a room or walk into court how do you kind of look at confidence and how do you see your area helping people in, in on the basketball court so listen to this the confidence is built in this little gym I have by seeing them break and attacking it in that moment to build it. You cannot. So I used to create this drill. If somebody gets aggressive fast in a sport, right? And if I tell you right now, we're talking, I go like, man, you can't do that when you get aggressive. It's not good for you in the game or in the fight. You tell me in your calm state of mind, hey, you're right. I shouldn't do it. But then you get like that and you forget. So for me to train that, I need to get you wild up a little bit, okay? So I used to have this fighter back in Arizona. He gets wild up. You do something a little bit to him, he forgets everything. So I make him carry an 80-pound medicine ball. I have him to 140. And you just walk in up and down, and I'm putting my hand in your face. I'm kind of like moving your ear, and I'm just trying to make you get upset. And I'm telling you, like, listen, calm down. Focus on your game plan, walk back and forth, breathe and adjust to everything you see, like instead of like getting so mad. So I have to train you while you're feeling that. So to get a confident up, if you're in the ring and I see you getting tired, you're like, oh man, you know, I'm just going to slow down and I don't make you slow down. I make you dig into certain areas. Now you're building that confidence. Now, next time you're on the court and you might feel like that, you go like, no, I'm not going to go down like this. I'm going to break you first before I you can break me. So that's all things you train and learn and you feed that fire to get better at it. I love it. 
All right. So for all these high school athletes that want to be able to play at the next level, be able to be their best, what's one or two pieces of advice that you would leave them with today? Do not let doubt be in your mind, no matter what they say about you, no matter what you like. If you for a second, let somebody take that little dream of yours, uh, whatever that is. And if you want to make it, just stick to it. I promise you, I really promise you, if you stick to it and they going out and you staying and shooting the ball or you practicing and you learning more. I don't know if you're going to make it to the highest level, but I promise you, you will go higher than what you would be if you don't do that. I guarantee you that. So that's a fact. Again, I don't know if you're going to make it to the top level, but you make it a, a higher level than you would if you don't do that. That's facts. Man, well, here's some facts. All your clients, your friends, your family, the people that are hanging around you are pretty lucky because now I've got to hang out with you twice. And every time I leave you, I'm ready to go take on the world. I'm going to go work out right now. You got me motivated. Yeah, that's good because I just worked out and I'm going to stretch a little bit and then I got to work. So 100%, I like that you can do that. I appreciate that a lot. Hey, well, you don't have to get in, in shape if you stay in shape. That's hey, the thing I'm taking simple. from you. Simple. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom, everything that you know that you've taken so many years and gone through the highs and lows to learn. Where can our listeners learn more and find out more about you? I mean, I do an Instagram. Uh, it is CEM Condition 83. And if you have any question, contact me. If I can give you advice or direct you to the right position, I would love to do that. And this is about sharing knowledge. All the stuff I do, if I don't tell nobody, it is the worst thing you can do. I can do it because I can share it. That's what I believe in. So more the better, in my opinion. Now that's a wrap on episode 95. And I hope you join me next week where I get to interview my old training partner and the new assistant men's basketball coach at Gonzaga, Stephen Gentry. Steve played hoops at Gonzaga in the early 2000s, and he's finally made it back to Spokane after coaching at Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, and most recently, Illinois. And I got to pick his brain on the common traits that make basketball players successful at the next level. And to all of you who are committed, we'll earn your effort.